Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And that'll cannon's cannon. Fire them. Keep yeah. on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello, and welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Live on YouTube today following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers third and final preseason game. 27-10, your final score is the Indianapolis Colts take the victory and the Buccaneers fall to 0-3 on what many people could describe as a disappointing preseason to say the least. I know that it's incredibly hard to disregard what we have seen over the last three weeks but I feel like to keep everybody grounded and to bring everyone back down to earth, it's in, it's important to do that and remind everybody that what we have seen for the most part these last few weeks is not going to be indicative of how Tom Brady and the rest of these Buccaneer starters do throughout the regular season. Welcome back to the pod. I am your host, as always, Rep Matthew, joined alongside me, filling in for the injured Evan Wanish, our good buddy, Mr. Bucks Nation, James Hill, once again, joining us live on YouTube today. Should be a good show here as we wrap up the preseason. How are you doing, my friend? You seem uh, you seem pretty hyped up despite the Bucks loss. It worked. It did. It did work. It did Our work. Re- so, yeah, <laughs> redirect work. That's what I'm hyped about. Hello. Hey, a lot of people in the chat. Y'all just watched my live stream. Now we're here. I'm feeling pretty good. Ah. Oh. Hey, you know what? It was a very lackluster uh, end of the preseason, man. That second half was very boring. The Bucks got shut <laughs> out in the second half, but it worked. I got to tell you, this was the most boring preseason it felt like in recent history. Like, I mean, last game. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's not like there's any super memorable preseason moments, but I remember like the Buccaneers preseason moments that I like to remember are the Adam Humphreys kick six, right? That was pretty legendary, a little bit of an underrated moment. I remember it was the debut of Visor Jameis. We freaked out about that, made a big deal on the podcast about it. Visor Jameis was almost an alter ego at that point. But yeah, there just wasn't a whole lot that I'd like to go back and, and relive about this preseason. Uh, the Buccaneers obviously able to escape mostly healthy as well. The biggest story of the night, it seemed like, aside from the starters, and we'll talk about those guys here in a second, was Robert Hainsey narrowly avoiding what could have been a serious injury. Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. he could, yeah. <laughs> It could have been the worst possible case scenario out there with the way that uh, the internet and Bucks fans around the world reacted to it. 
but he was able to walk off under his own power after being rolled up on that left leg kind of landed in a funky position and uh, he was carted off from practice, not necessarily because he got rolled up on, but because he had cramped up. So this is the second close call this preseason we have had for our second string and now hopefully starting center for the regular season. And that's a big deal when, uh, you know, this game was his first chance to to really get some solid, important reps with Tom Brady and the rest of the starters. And the Bucks just cannot afford another injury at the offensive line position, particularly the interior offensive line. And um, yeah, man, those backups didn't give me much more hope either that we're pretty filled out at depth. So I'm curious, before we talk about the Buck starters, I wanted to get your opinion. I know a lot of people in the chat are probably vocal about this, but do you think the Bucks end up making a move between now and week one, not for a new starter at any of those positions, but just some potential depth, maybe another veteran free agent that's hanging around that is yet to be signed. The retirement of J.C. Treader kind of soiled some plans for people but um is there anyone else that you think the bucks could look at i mean nobody in particular but do you think they do pull the trigger and and maybe try and bring in some more depth on the offensive line yeah you know and this is something that we talked about during halftime on my stream uh by the way jt we will be talking about scotty miller at some point um trust me but you know yeah i think they will i think it's a necessity uh robert hainsey's the king of getting like minor injuries that one look worse than they appear to be. And then two, just scaring everybody. He's done it twice now, man. So yeah, I think the Buccaneers do look for a veteran center, kind of get somebody in who is, you know, able to at least get some like practice reps in, get acclimated to the offense, you know, while Hainsey is still the starting center and just have a guy there just in case, you know, they do like what they have with like a guy, like maybe like John Mulshawn as a backup center or Nick Leverett, but those guys are versatile guys. You know, they're more guards than they are centers per se. Um, you know, center isn't necessarily their main thing. So yeah, I, I think that there is a, for sure possibility they can look at a veteran guy some of the you know obviously 31 other teams around the league are going to be making cuts as well there may be some surprises there where the bucks may be able to swoop in claim somebody or sign somebody in free agency and you know have a veteran backup that's something i think they definitely should explore yeah and as far as the offensive line uh position group goes the most important update out of this game today is of course robert hainsey being healthy and the expectation is that he should be good to go Week one against Dallas as the Bucks will be on the road. But let's talk about the other starters that we saw for the first time this preseason. Tom Brady suited up officially and made his return to the football field after his brief lived retirement earlier on this year. Uh, the GOAT looked sharp. I mean, that opening drive, it was clear the Bucks were playing high tempo, a lot of hurry up offense, very quick pace on the opening drive. Brady goes six for eight looked sharp I mean there was one drop for sure from Tyler Johnson that I know of there was an overthrow to Mike Evans but aside from that there really wasn't much more to complain about with Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time it's safe to say you know what you're going to get uh, at the QB1 position and you know he gets a series it ends in three points I'm sure he would have liked it to end in a touchdown could have kept this game a little bit closer at the end of the day but it's preseason it doesn't matter and uh, as long as we know that the GOAT still got it, we certainly saw that today. He uh, he looks damn good. Yeah, Brady looked fine. You know, uh, there was that drop by Tyler Johnson, which wasn't great. Mike Evans drew a pass interference at one point. But all in all, Brady did Tom Brady things. People were – it was so interesting because – 
people were at first upset that Brady was going out there at all, right? And understandable. You don't want the guy to get hurt. You don't want any starters to get hurt. But then they were upset that he was only out there for one series of downs. Like, oh, come on, leave him in. But the offense did exactly what they needed to do. Same thing with the starting defense. Starting offense, though, just to kind of focus on them again. Brady drove him down the field and got him some points. Was it a touchdown? No, but they still got him points. They still did some pretty good work out there. That's what you wanted to see. The guys are pretty warmed up now. Or not pretty warmed up, but they're a little bit warmed up now. And uh, they did what you needed them to do. And all in all, I think that the offense as a whole looked fine. You know, Hainsey held up his, at center. Get a key. You know, you talked about him a little bit during uh, my stream did meh as you know guard but all in all i think the offense was able to do what they needed to do or showcase what they needed to showcase tom brady included who i thought looked pretty good yeah there was a nice completion of julio jones which a lot of people have been waiting on he kind of aired it out on that one got it to big number 85 who hopefully should be changing that number soon i would expect julio jones to maybe try and get six before the start of the regular season he told a young fan in tennessee last week during joint practices that he doesn't have a number yet so I'm assuming that 85 is still a placeholder. Time is ticking, but there is certainly time and a lot more numbers going to be available with some cuts coming over here in the next few days. Of course, we'll keep you updated on all of that. Let's talk about the offensive line really quickly. Luke Gedeke got the nod, his second start in two weeks. He was out there with the first team. And uh, the impression that I got from Gedeke, like, unfortunately, I'm probably going to have to go back and watch the first few drives of the game again just to kind of get a good taste throughout the rest of the week of where he is at with that starting left guard spot. But uh looked like there were a couple instances of him getting his lunch money taken out there. And, and I know that that, uh, that defensive front for Indianapolis is no joke, man. But him and Nick Leverett kind of had a rough night, at least in the uh, first quarter I had noticed. Yeah, you know, uh, Gedeke, I thought, you know, is still, you know, when I talk about Gedeke, he's still kind of a work in progress, right? Still a pretty raw guy, needs to work on his technique and, and things along those lines. But Buccaneers coaching staff likes him a lot. It seems like he has probably won that starting left guard spot, Rhett. I don't think that's really a big stretch to say right now. And Gedeke has shown some good moments. And like you said, the Colts do have a rough, pretty darn good starting defensive line. So this was good experience for Gedeke to get, right? And some more context for anyone who may have caught like the second quarter and noticed that our offensive line was just consistently getting blown up. It's important to remember that the Colts played most of their first string guys on both sides of the ball into the second quarter. Like it really, I don't think we saw Nick Foles come into the game until like the last or the second to last series on offense for Indianapolis in the first half. Like Matt Ryan was out there for a while. Uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously didn't play. Naheem Hines, another guy who sat out, but there were a lot of starters out there for Indy and uh, they were certainly putting in work. I, I know Michael Pittman Jr. Had a couple of really good catches against some scrub corners that we had. So you know, it's one of those things where you got to kind of look at the cast around and, and make an assessment from there. Because once you start looking at second, third, fourth string talent for Tampa Bay, it, it's hard to gauge how this team is going to do in the regular season based off of those guys because they're never going to see the field. You know what I mean? But kind of circling back to what we said at the start of the show, you like what you saw from the from the starters for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was a good thing to notice. It was weird that the Colts left their starters in for as long as they did. I saw some people say, you know, oh, well, Matt Ryan's backup was was out. That's why he wasn't, you know, that's why he stayed in so long. But then seems like they had plenty of quarterbacks that were out there able to get. Hey, man, Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, 
uh cone something cone was out there like they had a lot of quarterbacks so it was a weird decision on their part to just have the Colts starters go up against the bucks backups but it is what it is like you said uh overall the starters did good there were some people who were i guess more so critical about the backups not doing that well to start and you know things didn't really get super much better but again you know it is what it is it's the backups it's depth uh, real quick, I do want to say here too, folks, uh, if you are enjoying this stream, go ahead and hit the like button. If we get it to like, say, 40 likes, that'd be pretty awesome. And subscribe if you're new to the Cannon Fire podcast. Yeah, it should be a great year of uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. If you are new to the channel, we truly appreciate you checking in. Man, that redirect feature is awesome. So uh, if you don't like the channel, that's unfortunate because I think you're going to have to get used to seeing this after the game day streams in the regular season. Uh, but shout out once again to our good buddy, James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation. There you are hanging out with us on the show tonight. Back into the offense for Tampa Bay. Along the topic of the starters, I did want to talk about the running backs, in particular Leonard Fournette. Lenny brand good. I mean, it's, it's, it's more of the same when you talk about the starters. And I think the biggest question coming away from this game regarding those guys is like, did they look ready for Dallas? And and I do. Like, I, I think this team is ready to go out there and play Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboy team week one, and and basically make it a shootout if they have to. Brady looks good. He looks sharp. Hopefully you have a little more time to get guys like Mike Evans and Russell Gage acclimated. I, 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 I am a little bummed out that we didn't get to see more of Russell Gage throughout the preseason. You know, he's kind of been battling that hamstring injury the injury bug that is hopefully behind us now that the preseason is over. So you would have liked to see him get a little bit more work, but it's important to mention that like Julio Jones is still there. And uh, these reps are going to be important for guys like him because he may be in a position to have to step up with the absence of Chris Godwin and potentially a Russell gauge. But I, I want to believe gauge is going to be fine by week one. There haven't been any indications that his injury is, is that bad. Yeah, no, I think Gage should be ready for week one. Like you said, it was a shame that he wasn't out there on the field, unfortunately, you know, but as long as Gage is ready for week number one, that's all that matters too. We, again, Chris Godwin still coming back from his injury. I think as long as Gage is ready for week one, that's what matters, right? With a lot of these guys, Werfs didn't play, you know, you want him ready for week one. Uh, anybody who's dealing with like nagging, lingering injuries were held out. I think it's understandable. You know, you don't want to push those guys. Uh, it's potentially re-aggravating their injuries. Keanu Neal was another guy who a lot of people wanted to see throughout the preseason, myself included. I'm a big Keanu Neal guy, uh, you know, but I'm fine with it at the end of the day because you want those guys ready for regular season football. Oh, yeah, 100%. And as we keep the topic on the offense here, let's talk about the wide receivers before we talk about the defensive starters here. Uh, a couple of guys who are fighting for roster spots. I want to talk about Tyler Johnson first and foremost. Up and down game for him tonight. Of course, we mentioned he had the costly drop on the first drive of the game, but he was able to redeem himself, in a sense, on that uh, fourth and three conversion for Tampa Bay on the first drive of the game. Had a couple of nice catches later on in the game as well. Think about the one where he got upended on the target from Kyle Trask, who kind of zipped it to him over the middle of the field. I, I think he needed that work tonight, and I think right now when we compare that last wide receiver spot this is where Scotty Miller starts to enter the conversation. I think Tyler Johnson has a better shot of making this team right now than uh, than Scotty Miller by a good bit. I, I think this may have been Scotty Miller's final game in a Buccaneers uniform because it just it wasn't the performance that a lot of people were hoping for from uh, our boy Scooter. Yeah, in the case of first Tyler Johnson, you know, he's had an 
good i think overall good preseason in training camp and just that entire thing right did he have a drop yeah tom brady gave him the business for that drop by the way willie beeman saying it in the chat tom brady gave him the business as he is one to do um but i think tyler johnson's safe i think he's earned a roster spot at this point we haven't seen much from some of these other wide receivers rep besides what we saw in that first preseason game with guys like devin Tompkins, jared stearns and kaylin geiger Aside from that, that's been pretty much it. We haven't seen much from those th- uh, three undrafted free agents in preseason games two and three. Haven't seen much from Brashad Perriman. He was obviously hurt. This is the first preseason game he's played in, and even then, he didn't do it too didn't do too too I, much. Honestly, I forgot he was even out there. Like yeah. I, I knew he came back to practice this week, but uh, you definitely didn't hear his number called very much, and that's unfortunate for a guy who certainly has stepped up and had his moments in a Bucks uniform before. He kind of had that hot stretch at the end of 2019, his first tenor in Tampa Bay. A couple of awesome catches where he had to step up and be the man for those games. He was able to do it. And then, of course, everybody remembers the overtime victory touchdown against the Bills. I was doing the live reaction on your channel to that game. That was that was a really, really fun game. Uh, so I definitely remember that play more than most, but... Yeah, it's unfortunate because I think he could be a casualty here, and maybe that's where another guy takes in that that seventh wide receiver spot that you maybe didn't expect to be there this time a week or two ago. But a lot of those undrafted free agents, you know, it's one of those things where even if you put on a show at the end of the preseason, unfortunately with the way the pecking order works out, you can play well in these last few games, but you still could be a casualty of uh, the Bucks trying to get down to their 53-man roster here over the next few days. Yeah, you know, and I, and I would say this, in the case of a guy like Perriman, you know, if the Buccaneers decide to keep seven wide receivers, do they just decide to roll with Perriman anyway because of, you know, the lack of, you know, really production out of those undrafted free agent guys, the lack of production out of a guy like Jalen Darden, the lack of a production of a guy like Scotty Miller. You talked about it a second ago. Is this Scotty Miller's last game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Possibly. He hasn't shown a lot in this preseason to warrant him keeping a spot right now. He had a bad drop in this game. He's been pretty, I guess, ineffective, for lack of a better word, throughout the entirety of the preseason. It might be time, Rhett. I mean, you have so many different wide receivers now, so much different type of depth that maybe the Buccaneers just can't afford to keep Scotty Miller anymore. If they do roll with seven wide receivers... Do you keep a guy like Perriman? Do you keep one of these undrafted wide receivers, uh, you know, along with maybe a guy like Jalen Darden instead of Scotty Miller? That's kind of the question that you got to consider here. And I think if they did keep seven wide receivers, even then, you know, even if you do have an extra guy there, I don't think you keep you keep Scotty Miller at this point. And that's also the thing, too, where when you are evaluating the last few spots on the roster for that position in particular. I know that we've said before the NFL is a, a what have you done for me lately kind of league and preseason obviously plays into that when these teams go to make those final decisions, but experience is a huge factor. I mean, Brashad Perryman, although his moments are like peaks and valleys, I guess he's never been so insufferably bad other than the first half of 2019. He was pretty damn bad. I was calling for his head every other week. But um, like experience matters, you know, and, and as we have talked about Brashad Perryman, former first round pick, he has experience playing with Tom Brady in this offense. So could he sneak his way onto this final roster? He very well could. But with the injury, it does become a little bit more of a question mark. 
And obviously, we'll know all these answers for sure over the next few days as the uh, process continues to play out and the Buccaneers start to make their cuts. While we are talking about guys on offense, I want to make sure we cover our bases before we talk about the defensive starters. If we're giving shout-outs here and we're giving some props, big number 41 out there. Co'Keefe was putting on for the rookie class tonight. A couple of major lead blocks in this one. The one that I think about the most was him clearing a lane for Keyshawn Vaughn to find the end zone early in the game. Co'Keefe looked pretty good, man. He was blocking his ass off out there. Yeah, Co'Keefe showed a lot of grit. I mean, that's the best word to use when describing Co'Keefe and his overall play uh, with the Bucks, not just in this game, but throughout the entirety of this entire thing. The preseason training camp, Co'Keefe has been a, exactly what he was billed to be, a guy who's going to get down, who's going to get, you know, gritty with, you know, his overall play. And he showed that time and time again, not just in this game, but throughout the entirety of the process as well. And I think he's for sure earned himself a roster spot Four tight ends. Isn't a crazy thing to see. Now you look at Cam Brate, Kyle Rudolph, Kate Otten and Co'Keefe like Co'Keefe could get a decent amount of playing time just due to that really good blocking ability that he has been able to showcase. Yeah, and it's funny because when you talk about the tight end room, of course, Coquif probably going to be carried on the roster as a tight end if he does make the final 53. Uh, because it, the the offensive playbook that the Bucks use, the fullback is just non-existent. Like the, there's only, I think, one or two leagues in the entire. I'm sorry, one or two teams in the entire league right now who have a dedicated roster spot for a fullback. Like it's just it's it's pretty much an. It, What's the word I'm looking for? It is uh, it is endangered. It's an endangered species to be a fullback these days, and, and that's what it is. But Coquif, bringing that grit, bringing that physicality, the Bucks can use as many blocking tight ends as they can because Kate Otten looked all right tonight, but he's not going to lead the way as far as being a blocking tight end. We know what Cam Braid is capable of, and as far as Kyle Rudolph, you can go back and watch the film. He can block, but he isn't known for his blocking prowess. So I think the more blocking guys that are ready to get down and dirty on the offensive line, the better. I'm a big fan of Coquif. He's putting on for the ginger guys, too. All the redheads out there. Big. There's a little bit of... Go ahead. I was going to say, there's a little bit of bias there, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, man. Just give him a shout-out. Love what you see from Coquif. And, uh, yeah, man, hopefully he can make a dent here on the roster as we get ready for the regular season. Well, in the so, place of for for Kate Otten too, just real quick, you know, he did have a drop today, but but all in all, like I, I feel like a lot of people are still high on Kate Otten. He can still provide some type of immediate impact here. I could Red, I feel like we could see a pretty healthy rotation of all four tight ends, and that wouldn't be a crazy thing to see. Would you agree with that? I I I think so. I mean, depending on the situation, the Bucks usually like to bring out a jumbo tight end set. Sometimes you'll see jo uh, uh, Josh Wells out there is like an extra flex tackle. I'm not sure if you can use Coquif in that capacity, but it really does open the door a little bit in the versatility of how you can assign your tight end for that play, right? Like if you've got one tight end who's an ace on catching, another guy who's damn good at blocking, another guy who can do a little bit of both. It opens the door for what you can allow those guys to do in the offensive setting. So it, it'll be cool to see how creative Byron Leftwich chooses to get. And uh, another important reminder is we kind of look back on this preseason here. I have seen some people talk about the play calling from Byron Leftwich, and it is incredibly important to remember that uh, there is no script. There really is no game plan for these preseason games. I mean, maybe tonight there was a little bit of a script 
for your starting offense with Tom Brady under center. And maybe that's something Brady decided to take charge on more than anyone this week. But once we get towards the third and the fourth quarter, it really seemed like both of these teams just wanted to wrap this thing up and go home. Like you're, you're there to evaluate talent, but it was a whole lot of running. It was a lot of running and then some running on top of that. Um, so, you know, it's preseason play calling at its finest. And it's unfortunate because I know we've been talking about the offense for a while. We'll wrap it up with this second string. Well, I'm sorry. Third string quarterback, Kyle Trask in this one. We got a good dose of him. He closed things out for us. We didn't see a single snap from Mr. August himself, Ryan Griffin, this preseason. The first time in what feels like eight years for Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans not to see Griffin out there at some point. But Kyle Trask, let me ask you this, James. One of the things that we said before the preseason started, we knew we were going to get a good look at Trask. The best look you're going to get from Kyle Trask until this time next year. Would you say you saw improvement between last preseason and this year? I know he was working with some some backup offensive linemen who really made it tough on him. But, I mean, he started the game tonight, 6 for 8, 91 yards, I believe. He was fairly accurate and showed some mobility in the pocket when he needed to. But it's also important to remember the guys playing around him and the guys that he's playing against on the defensive side of the ball. But your biggest takeaway from Trask this preseason, would you say you saw improvement? Yeah, I would say I I have. I've seen, I feel a good amount of improvement. I think the biggest thing that I've seen with Trask that has looked improved is his overall confidence out there, right? He looks more comfortable out there throwing the football, moving around in the pocket. Of course, people are going to talk about the interceptions and the fumbles lost, and that's fine. Those are not good plays. Of course not. But I think all in all, this we've seen improvement and growth from Trask. Now, is it enough to say the guy's going to be, you know, the future of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the quarterback position? Probably not, but I would say that you have seen improvement with Trask, which is a positive in of itself. It might not be what everybody wanted to see in terms of the biggest leap in the world, but I still think Trask made a, a pretty sizable difference between where he was last year versus where he is now. I want to agree. I mean, I'm rooting for Trask. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he did enough as far as, as far as, you know, like you had mentioned being the future of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise, you went into this preseason wanting to see improvement and you saw that, but I don't think you saw enough improvement to where it's going to stop the Bucks front office from looking at how to end up with a younger, better quarterback for next season, whether that is someone that they're going to have to trade for, whether it's someone that they can find in a quarterback rich draft coming up next April, you know, depending on where they finish, let's assume they're picking 26 or higher, then, you know, the pickings are going to be somewhat slim. And then you have to really decide if you want to go ahead and stack together some resources to trade for a contender who may be available or just let it ride with Kyle Trask. And obviously, this is all under the assumption that Tom Brady does not go ahead and come back next year to play a fourth year in Tampa Bay. Because I know we don't mention it a lot, but it does not seem beyond the realm of possibilities that he could potentially come back. And no, I'm not putting all of my eggs into the basket. That's not the impression I want you to get. But like, 
we 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 really don't have much more answers at the quarterback position beyond Tom Brady now than we did before the preseason. And unfortunately, it's just because you know Trask showed us some good things, but he he certainly didn't change the minds of a lot of people who already root against him. Well, that's the biggest thing he said there was, you know, it's not enough. I think the biggest thing that people needed to see in this preseason was Trask can at least look better than Gabbert. And I'm seeing the chat blow up in a lot of different directions. Rhett, I don't think it's a set thing in stone to say that Trask looked better than Gabbert throughout this preseason. And I know we didn't see as much of Gabbert throughout the process. You know, Trask played most of the time in these preseason games. But, you know, what we saw from Gabbert, I thought he did a fine job. He looked like a serviceable backup. You can say a similar thing for Trask, but I think it's too close, you know, and that's not, that was the big thing that people needed to see. And like you said, we didn't get to see enough of that as a definitive answer, which was probably one of the more unfortunate things coming away from this preseason. With Blaine Gabbert, you obviously know what you're going to get. And and we've had this discussion before, but sample size is also important with Gabbert, not nearly getting the workload that Trask got. It's still one of those things where if the Bucks wanted to go ahead and pull the trigger and make Kyle Trask their quarterback too, it almost feels like they're taking a risk there. You know what I mean? And, and I think that almost encapsulates, encapsulates, encapsulates. It's late. Words are hard. Um, it basically puts a bow on a lot of the feelings that people have about Kyle Trask potentially being that guy. Even if Brady goes down, God forbid this season, Brady goes down and you're looking to your quarterback too. You know, even at this point, do you feel more comfortable with a Kyle Trask and taking a chance there since if Brady goes down season is likely over, or do you feel comfortable enough with Blaine Gabbert to go out there and continue to win you some games and maybe even win you some games in the playoffs if they get to that point? Yeah, I think at this point, at this point, you know, you got to feel more comfortable with Gabbert. And that's not the answer a lot of people were expecting, or I guess I should say wanting coming away from this, you know, and that again, that lends to that idea of like, tra- like what you said earlier, Rhett Trask didn't do enough. You know, he showed improvement, which was good, but he didn't show enough, I think, you know, and, and that's got God bless him, man. Because that offensive line uh, was not good. I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of great things to say about the uh, the second and third string offensive linemen for Tampa Bay because it felt like, I mean, even on both sides of the ball, the depth just felt like it was lacking compared to you know when other teams were putting their second and third stringers in there. But yeah, they certainly didn't do Trask any favors as far as you know giving him some blocks. Yeah, no, and and you know, I see people in the chat, you know, I'm one of those guys, you know, I root for Trask, I mean, I root for Gabbard too, but, uh, you know, again, it Trask did show improvement, and, you know, to say, you know, he's a bust, he's done, I don't know, man, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's such an interesting thing with Trask, he's essentially a third-round quarterback, late, you know, literally as late in the second round as you can make it, um, I wouldn't necessarily call Trask a bust yet, but, you know, or, or possibly even, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, again, this is, you know, un- an unfortunate situation for Trask because he didn't show enough improvement. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball before we get into the kicking battle and start to wrap this thing up. The defensive starters, man. The same question 
that was posed for the offensive starters. Does this team look ready to play Dallas week one? I thought the defensive starters gave me a little more to be excited about than our offensive starters. Levante David, first and foremost, stepping up and making his presence known. He had the big sack on the second drive of the game, and it was a three and out. Uh, We saw two series of defensive starters as opposed to just one series of offensive starters with Brady under center. So uh, I I liked what I saw, man. I mean, Levante David, I want to highlight him for a minute because he is headed into, what, year 11, year 12? Year 12? Uh, No, year 11. Year 11, I believe. Maybe year 10. No, 2012 was his rookie year, so this is going to be year 10 for him. Forgive me. Um, He still looks quick. I I mean, closing in on plays, he forced an incompletion, I believe, in the backfield. I I mean, for a guy entering his 10th year in the NFL at, at 30 years of age, if not a little bit older, Levante David still looks as good as he ever has, and that that was really good to see. Yeah, no, Levante David looked good. The starters looked good. You know, it, it was a very positive thing to see. Um, I thought all the defensive guys looked good. Levante David had some good pressure. How about Akeem Hicks? I mean, before before Levante David got that sack, you could see Hicks right next to him breaking through a double team and about to also apply some pressure on a Matt Ryan there. Keem Hicks is a beast of a man. We all know this. Uh, the starters looked good, I thought. The defensive starters did exactly what they needed to as well. They forced a punt. It was a, a fantastic thing to see. By the way, thank you guys so much for getting the uh, st- stream over 45 likes. Almost to 50, by the way. Thank you guys for that. Um, but or almost to 50 likes rather, but Levante was great. I thought he did a really good job. I thought the defensive starters did good as well. Um, all in all, really good game from the starters. I thought or really good couple of drives from the starters. They did what they needed to do to get warmed up and get ready for week one. Um, a lot of people were kind of talking about why is Joe trying to show not in there? Uh, in my opinion, you know, that having a precautionary thing to hold him out because, you know, if he was a little bit sore or something like that, I don't think that's too big of a deal. Yeah, I don't think so either. It shouldn't affect his status for week one. But of course, just like every other injury tonight, uh, we'll get more updates and a clearer picture of what's going on here throughout the rest of the week. But yeah, you had briefly mentioned Akeem Hicks there. It just gets you that much more excited for the idea of Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea rolling out there together on some of these uh, some of these defensive fronts that Todd Bowles is going to be showing teams out here, man. When you look at both of those guys together, I have to imagine it's close to 650, 700 pounds of just interior defensive linemen coming at your team. Like, that's that's tough, dude. Are you crunching the numbers on me? Or are you going to get me an exact measurement on that? Yeah, so Akeem Hicks weighs 324 pounds, at least according to Wikipedia, uh, and... Vita Vea weighs 346, according to Wikipedia. So that is 670 pounds, yeah. 670 yeah. pounds of mass between the two. Yeah, we're pushing a half ton here, folks. That is serious business, but uh, exciting to see the holes that those guys can open up. And regarding the Levante David sack that happened earlier, it was Akeem Hicks that really opened some things up. The A gap gave him all day to run in there and get after the quarterback, and he brings down Matt Ryan. We got a question, though, regarding some defensive line depth from our buddy Rawl in the chat. He says, can you talk about Logan Hall and how invisible he has been? And I will say that sometimes it can feel like those big interior defensive linemen are invisible because you don't always hear their number called. But if I remember correctly, I've seen some positive highlights from from Logan Hall this preseason. Definitely some more good 
than bad. But I also think the expectations should not be put on him to be one of those day one game wreckers like a guy like Vita Vea can be. Because obviously it took Vea a couple of years to get to that point. And Logan Hall has showed us some good things on tape, getting some pressure on after the quarterback. But um, I mean, I don't I don't feel overly disappointed in uh, what I saw or didn't see from Logan Hall so far this preseason. No, I, th- I thought, you know, to Raw's point, you know, I definitely didn't see much from Logan Hall throughout the preseason, but I'm also not too worried about it. You know, that's why you brought in a guy like Akeem Hicks so you can bring along Logan Hall uh, in a slow way and that he can, you know, kind of come along with the rest of the defensive line. You're going to be learning from so many different guys, Will Golston, Akeem Hicks, Vita Vea, Rakeem Nunez-Rochez, all these different types of guys. So I'm really not too worried about it. I think things will be fine. I think that he will have a similar role to Joe Tryon Shoinka, whereas, you know, going to be a rotational guy on the defensive side of the football, and that's a fine role for him in his rookie season. You know, I, I think that, while I do agree with Roll to a certain degree, while he hasn't been around plays too, too much, I don't think that's the end of the world. Let's wait and see what he can do in the regular season with kind of rotating in with the starters as well. Uh, that can help him out a lot in terms of his production as well when he's got so many quality people around him. So that's going to be where you want to watch out for Logan Hall and where he can make an impact and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And as we take a look here at the box score, we look at some other guys who had stood out on the defensive side of the ball tonight. Uh, The one linebacker in particular, Fadakazi, I think is his last name. I noticed he got his nose in a couple of plays tonight. Ola Kunle Fadukasi. I'm glad I actually remembered that and said it correctly. I'm I'm fairly surprised. Uh, Deidrin Sinat, a recent free agent addition for Tampa Bay, led the team in tackles tonight with four, uh, three solo tackles, one assisted tackle, and uh, another big defensive lineman here. Unfortunately, I don't know if he'll escape the uh, you know the final cut down to the roster, but Benning Potoai, I think is how you correctly pronounce it. That's what I had heard on the broadcast. I know you said something different. But uh, that's a name potato. that Bucks. That's a name that Bucks fans should be familiar with if they've been watching the preseason the past couple of years. I think he had one of the strongest preseasons he's ever had this year. Yeah, you know, he he looked good. He could be a candidate for a practice squad spot. Deidrin Senate could also be one of those veteran guys. He put together a pretty decent game today. This is the second game in a row where I thought he's actually shown up and made a couple of really nice plays. Thankfully, with some of these new rules on the practice squad, you can add veterans now, which is a really nice thing. Deidre Senate, I think, is one of those guys that you could say, yeah, might have a legitimate chance here to be a practice squad guy. I'm on the Deidre Senate train, man. Okay. Like it look, look, Rhett, look at me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, Deidre Senate could be an interesting you always, guy. You always pick the most vague players to just jump on the train and get hype about every year. I'm this buying the jer- pre- I'm <laughs> I'm buying the jersey. I'm buying the jersey. <laughs> When You know what, actually, so it's a running gag. I mean, I wouldn't say it's an inside joke because most people know, but uh, you are a collector of obscure and just random ass Bucks jerseys. What is the last one that you got? Was it the didn't you get like a Sabby Piscatelli just recently? I did. I don't know where it is. It, it's somewhere in the is depths. That, is that the last one you bought? I think so. Yeah. If I remember correctly, we need to, um, we need to get out to. uh our favorite vendor at the Oldsmar Flea Market and get you another one, brother. The the one I tried finding was the Byron Leftwich one. I really wanted a Byron Leftwich one. Yeah, that would have been I, nice. 
I couldn't find one, unfortunately. Hey, um, by the way, if you guys uh, fancy other sports podcasts, as we kind of take a, a, a sidebar here before we wrap this thing up, uh, Byron Leftwich actually did an appearance this week on the Pivot podcast. And if you are not familiar, I got to tell you, dude, it is one of the oh. better sports podcasts in recent memory and uh, definitely worth checking out. They got to talk to him about not only his experience with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians winning a Super Bowl as a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback with Bruce Arians as the offensive coordinator in Raymond James Stadium. And then obviously everything coming full circle later on in his career as the offensive coordinator for Tom Brady and uh, Bruce Arians leading the charge with his head coaching gig in Tampa Bay. You know the full story, but here are the inside details. Go check it out, man. And not a sponsor, just I am just a, uh, I'm just an enjoyer of podcasts and, and hopefully a lot of people listening here are too. So definitely go check that out. The pivot podcast, definitely worth your time. Uh, it is the podcast where somebody told Cam Newton to his face that he is washed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if that's not enough reason to go check it out, man. Well, I've got it. I've got to check out that episode, but going back to the defensive line to your point, you know, Benning Pote, that's what I call them. Uh, you know, He's one of those guys, you know, he made a couple of nice plays, you know, making a last push to say, hey, you know, put me on the practice squad. And right, you know, people forget this, too. You're a plot, you know, you're essentially getting some game film for your agent to send out to 31 other teams for their practice squads, for their 53 man rosters. Uh, They've increased the practice squad sizes now as well. So, yeah, a guy like Benning Pote, uh, it can only do good things, you know, even if he doesn't make the Buccaneers 53. He can make a practice squad here or elsewhere. He had a good time. Deidre Senate had a good game as well. 100%. Let's talk about the final position battle on the team before we start to wrap up the show. I know that there's some other stuff from the game we could break down, but I'm going to be honest with you folks. Uh, with as late the preseason as we are, there's almost no point because it, a lot of the guys that we have not talked about, unfortunately, aren't going to make the team. Are there going to be a couple of surprise candidates? Of course. And we'll keep you updated all throughout the rest of the week with who those are going to be. But uh, most of your starters being ready for Dallas is the biggest takeaway you wanted to get from this game. And uh, yeah, both sides of the football looked good. But let's wrap things up with the most exciting battle of training camp and the preseason. I felt like the nail in the coffin on this job was done tonight. And that's the kicking battle. All right, Jose Borgales. They trot him out there for a 52-yard field goal. He misses it, barely over to the right side. And that may be the nail in the coffin for the kicking battle. I think Ryan Suckup, who was 2-for-2 two two this evening, and uh, I believe also made a 50-yarder in Tennessee last week, I, I think it's going to be Ryan Suckup. But the real question now becomes, is another team looking for a kicker going to pick up Jose Borgales, or are the Bucks going to get another year to keep him on the practice squad. That's that's kind of the major question for me because Jose, while he wasn't perfect, you know, a couple of misses from 50-plus, it's hard to be mad at those. He certainly does have the leg, but maybe the accuracy isn't quite as good as we all thought it was. Well, I mean, you ask some people. The kicking battle was done last week whenever, or two weeks ago, whenever he missed the game-winning field goal against the Miami Dolphins. I'll still <laughs> box I wonder, Evan Wan. I wonder who said that. I'll still box Evan Wanish in a <laughs> in a boxing ring over this take. I'll die on this hill. But uh, you know, that's why being, you want to fight Evan, by the way. That's that's why you want to get in a boxing ring and, and make this thing official, is because of a take he had about the kicking battle. 
I heard him call me out on the podcast. I watched. Oh, he did. He did name drop you, so I guess he started it. He did. I watch. So anyway, point being is that Jose Borregales, yeah, it's it's over. It's going to be Ryan Suckup, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. Borregales, you know, he has had some good moments, but he missed the 52-yarder. He missed the game winner against um, against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it is what it is. He's a young kicker. Maybe he will end up on the Buccaneers practice squad. He could also end up on another team's practice squad if he you know, feels like he'll have a better chance, you know, to get some regular season playing time. We'll see what happens with him. But uh, yeah, Rhett, to your point, I think the kicking battle's over. I think it is going to be Ryan Suckup uh, as the Buccaneers kicker moving forward. Jose Borgales gave it a really good run, but whenever these preseason games started, unfortunately, that's where some things fell off. I do see, by the way, Tom Brady's uh, quote that you put there in the chat. We there, we did see some people say, did you watch the TV 12 post game interview? I did see the quotes. Um, so that's I, some good stuff. There. So I haven't heard the audio from it, but I did see it playing on my TV just a, just above my desk here. And almost like an Aaron Rodgers kind of approach to this Brady press conference. I mean, he was as transparent as it gets, the big quote getting everybody's attention, and, and maybe this has something to say with Brady's attitude on the media kind of always being in his business. Uh, he said, quote, I'm 45 years old. I, I got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, Tom has been a little more comfortable being candid behind the microphone since his time in Tampa Bay. But I mean, if this is a glimpse of what's to come, <laughs> we, we might get some all time memorable Tom Brady quotes at the podium this year. But uh, yeah, he was up there at a hoodie. His hair was was not looking as good as it possibly could have been. So he wasn't quite on his model status. But um, listen, if anybody has earned the right to be transparent with the media, it's going to be Tom Brady. And I'm sure that he probably feels frustrated with what became of his absence from training camp. No. Yeah. I mean, again, like me and you both had very similar opinions on this where people were making a mountain out of a molehill, which is fine. You know, that's, that's what media and all that stuff is really all about in certain situations, obviously with Tom Brady, but uh, I can understand why Tom Brady would be a little bit frustrated. If I mean, you have talked about this, if there's any player who has earned some time off, uh, you know, it's Tom Brady at the age of 45, uh, you know, going into another year. You know, I, I think that Tom Brady's earned the right to say, hey, can I have 11 days off? And if it's pre-communicated with the Bucks, you know, people panicking, people freaking out, saying he's not going to come back. Will he come back? You know, I think was a little bit of a making a mountain out of a molehill type situation. Well, well, sure. When you're Tom Brady and you retire, then you unretire, and then you come back to a team that the media wanted everyone to believe you didn't even want to play with in the first place. They're going to try and find stories. I mean, a lot of journalists are happy that Brady's back for another year because of the clickbait value that he seems to add. Like Barstool Sports or any Boston-based, you know, media company probably has a quarter of their content dedicated to just Tom Brady, right? I mean, any Bucks channel right now, I would say, has a good quarter or more of their content dedicated to Tom Brady because that's just... Everybody wants to know what the greatest quarterback in the history of football is going to do or say next. And I'm sure that after 23 years, uh, that does get a little bit old. Now, has Brady dominated the news cycles for all 23 years? No, of course not. But uh, he certainly has become used to being the center of attention. And uh, during his time as quarterback at Tampa Bay, it's been no different, especially now that he has the ability to be a little more candid about how he personally feels on some certain topics because this isn't New England anymore. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in that coaching staff 
or anybody in that Bucks front office who's going to go out on a limb and tell Brady what he can and cannot say. Like, there's just, you know, we've reached that point. But as far as uh, the rest of the quote goes for him talking about his extended absence from the team, he says, quote, it's all personal. Everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. Uh, we all have really unique challenges in our life. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of stuff going on. So at the end of the day, Tom Brady expressed to reporters that he is ready to go for week one. There is no questioning his commitment to this Bucks team for 2022. And uh, once the regular season starts, man, that's that's really where everything starts to matter. Like that, that's that's what I can't wait for. I'm incredibly glad that the preseason is behind us. And aside from Ryan Jensen, it seems like we kind of made it out with any major injuries here. Yeah, no, uh, obviously there were some scares there with Hainsey, maybe with Leverett too, some hamstrings, you know, these types of things. But it seems like the one main injury was Ryan Jensen, which is incredibly unfortunate, by the way. Uh, but I've seen people say, you know, oh man, the Bucks are cursed with the injury bug. You know, it does happen to a lot of teams, hey, folks. Hey, Baltimore lost their mascot tonight. All right. All right, we could have lost Captain Fear to a torn ACL that first preseason game against Miami, but we didn't, and thank God for that. We're going to have some extra spirit on the sidelines. Now, was him getting carted out a, a joke, or did he actually no, have he, to get carted? No, he actually like injured himself. So uh, oh. so the gimmick that I, I guess some teams have been doing, it was halftime up there in Baltimore, and they had some mascots from the area come out and play against a Little League team. So, sure. like, yeah, everybody looks at the highlight reels of uh, all these mascots, stiff arm and eight year olds in football uniforms. And it's really funny. But sure. uh, he got chased down in the backfield trying to run the ball and like actually hurt himself. So they they had to just keep him down there on the field, bring out the cart. And, uh, you know, all of what we saw was real and legitimate. I, I mean, I'll tell you, if that was like a joke, that would have been in terrible taste. Yeah, so the Ravens mascot actually tore his like yeah. tore his ACL potentially. Yeah. And the in the best part, I mean, obviously, hope the guy feels better. Um, prayers yeah. up, he heals up quickly. He's not a professional athlete, so it may take a little bit of extra time from like a torn ACL. Um, but the best part of all of it was that he kept that like he, he kept the he mascot kept the costume on. Yeah, he kept the mascot head on the whole time. So like he's down there with the trainers talking to him dude, with the big raven mask on. Dude, I think he legit <laughs> I'm watching the clip now. I think he legit tore his ACL. I dude, I know. Like it's 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 rough to watch. I don't wish it on anybody. But it it almost reminds me of um like back when NCAA was on PS2, you could play the mascot games. I think you could do those all the way up to like NCAA 13 or 14. Sure. But you could play the mascot games and you could have, you know, if you were playing the Florida Gators, you could have 53 Alberts on your team going up against uh, the Toledo Rockets who had like the Rocket Man or whatever. Like those would be so funny. Oh, my God. It was a non-contact injury on yeah. Poe, too. Yeah, that's oh rough. My God. But just a hey, dedication to the character. Kayfabe is alive and well in Baltimore, man. They said that they were going to ask. They were going to have an injury. They were going to ask Harbaugh for an update after the game. I don't see any footage of this, but <laughs> oh, thoughts and prayers go to Poe. Poe the Raven, yeah, man. Hey, let's close this thing out with one more quote from Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady addressing the Buccaneers accommodating his need to step away from the team. He says, quote, since I've come to this organization, it's been an amazing experience for me to come to this place and be this supported over a long period of time. So not only does Tom feel appreciated, which is obviously important, 
he feels like we have met his needs. And obviously with a Super Bowl championship playing out the way that it did in 2020, he has to feel pretty good about what they were able to do. They're making their third run at a Super Bowl title in three years. He is back. He is committed and he will be ready for week one against the Dallas Cowboys, as well as the rest of the starters for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast and the 2022 NFL preseason. Thank God it is over, James. You know, and a lot of people were really waiting, you know, for this to end, feeling pretty antsy. Um, and I, I definitely understand where people are coming from. I enjoy watching the preseason personally, but I understand why people are ready for the regular season now. Uh, it's completely understandable. So, yeah, you know, now we're getting ready. We're going to have, what, a week off and then regular season football. So that is some exciting times, man. Obviously, there's going to be so much stinking stuff to cover. If you guys are new, by the way, coming over from my channel, go ahead and subscribe and hit the like button. We did get over 50 likes, which is awesome, by the way. Thank you guys so much for that. 55 likes, by the way. So thank you guys so much for that. And then subscribe to the Cannon Fire podcast if you guys are new. Um, This is obviously going to be something we're going to be doing a lot throughout this uh, regular season coming up soon as well. So going to be so much stinking coverage uh, for next week as well. Geez, so many roster cuts to talk about, potential signings as well, Rhett. So many different types of things to cover. So a lot of content's coming up. It's so cliche, but this is the last time I'm going to say it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, football is back. We're going to keep you updated throughout the rest of the week. Evan will return. We will talk to you guys a little bit more about all the moves coming up, the roster cuts, and everything in between. Also, don't miss out. Uh, our season prediction show is going to be coming up this week, and then we will also be starting our weekly mailbag series with former Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. That should be a lot of fun. If you have any questions for him, go ahead and hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Can of Fire Podcast. You can also send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Just label it mailbag question, Sean King, whatever it may be. And ask whatever your heart desires, whether it is something about his playing days, whether it is something about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers getting ready for the 2022 season. He will hopefully have an answer for you, and uh, we'd love to have the interaction. Thank you to everybody in the live chat for for checking us out tonight. Everyone from James' channel and a couple of familiar faces as well. Our buddy Danny in the live chat says, I love this podcast. Keep up the good work. We truly appreciate our moderator, Willie Beeman, holding it down. Comments might not always be responded to, but they are always read here on Can of Fire. Go Bucks! Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll we'll do better with that. Sorry, the 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 comment interaction has been lacking a little bit lately. I promise you, we'll get better. We truly appreciate your guys' support as we get ready for the 2022 season. Oh man, oh man! Thank you, guys. So follow the show on social media. I know I said that earlier. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Best place to go for Bucks play uh, for Bucks news, and of course. Something else as it happens. Yeah, updates as they happen. Sorry, Evan's not here, so my autopilot is is malfunctioning this week. Uh, go check out James' channel, who filled in like a champion for us this week. Longtime friend of the show. Like, I feel like you've been a regular fixture here for coming up on three years. I'm grateful to have you as a friend, and thank you for filling in tonight. Mr. Bucks Nation over on YouTube. And then uh, every now and again, from what I understand, you do do a podcast on BucksNation.com, no? Yeah, so I'm writing articles on BucksNation.com as well as the Talking Bucks podcast that I do a few times a month over there as well. So if you guys are interested, go ahead and check those out. 
Uh, definitely going to be writing a lot too as the season progresses. There's going to be a lot of stuff to cover. So, yeah, man, a lot of different forms of content we're pumping out here and uh, very happy to uh, keep the train going, man. It's crazy that it's been three years now of, uh, you know, I guess just like really consistently covering the team. You know, obviously we've been doing the YouTube thing a lot longer, but in terms of our collaborations going three years strong now, that's a pretty awesome thing to see. So again, if you guys are new, go ahead and subscribe to the Cannon Fire podcast. That'd be greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, man, just pumped up for yet another season. Hell yeah, brother. Should be a good one. Last but not least, find myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. We'll talk to you later on this week with more updates from the Buccaneers roster as they start to make their final cuts and get closer to the 53-man limit. Evan Wanish will join us next time. I am your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, James Hill. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.